0: Hello, welcome to the studio at home. I'm John Bernstein. Right now, the anatomy of a modern-day technology leader. Really pleased to say we have some fantastic modern-day technology leaders on our panel. I'm going to ask first to get them to introduce themselves, and then we will kick off in earnest. Keith, please. Hi, John. Uh, I'm Keith
1: Baxter. I'm the head of uh, IT and academic administration here at Carlow College in Ireland. Hey, John. Hey, Keith. Uh, my name is Lara Matias. I'm the
2: VPIT CIO for EEI Corporation based here in Manila. We're a, uh, the quadruple-A uh, rated general construction company here in the Philippines.
0: Very good. Excellent. Let's get started. So the anatomy of a modern-day technology leader. First question is, uh, what are the attributes, Keith? What are, what are the things that make up a great CIO or CTO uh, in the 2021, 2022? I think it varies uh, on the
1: individual and the role. Uh, I've made, met a great cross-section of individuals. Some have come up through the technical strain. Some have come in from the management business environment. But I do believe it is a capture of uh, both areas that a good technical background, uh, a good technical ability, or certainly an understanding of the technical attributes of what the role entails with a good business head. But there is sort of a personality or skill sets involved. I believe patience is a, a great attribute. It's a fast moving, fast paced environment that we live in, be it digital cyber or IT specific. But uh, patience is a, it's a huge attribute to have uh, that I've learned over the years. Trust and honesty is uh, a huge a- aspect of it for your teams
0: that you might lead. Very good. Uh, Keith, thank you for the moment. I'll come back. I particularly want to dig into that uh, patience is an interesting attribute. Patience and trust and honesty. Marrow, what are, what are the attributes you need?
2: Yes, integrity is, is the far, first and foremost. You're the only person that probably the whole organization would say would be impartial to everything else, becoming a uh, referee of sorts when uh, some certain conflict uh, arises. And then, of course, um, up and coming right now because of the pandemic, driven by the pandemic, you're the person they see as the strategy guy only because the pandemic has forced adoption of businesses on digital technology far faster than everything else.
0: Just on that uh, integrity point and the fact that you're the arbiter, aren't you in the, uh, in the corner of the technologists? Are you, are you an arbiter in that sense or are you very much on the side of the technologists?
2: Later on, with, uh, with the later question, you'll start to understand what, <laughs> what I'm saying.
0: You become sort of the, the one in the balancing edge. Keith, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned patience. Is that patience for the uh, leadership that doesn't understand technology or is that patience in another form? It's patience in another form.
1: Nothing happens instantly. The business wants it yesterday. Uh, in an awful lot of cases, we've seen that more so during the pandemic. Technology evolves. There's a lot of risk involved. You have to plan there's a lot of acronyms and bits and bobs around planning and uh, failing and whatnot, but technology takes time. Technology has to be aligned to the business strategy. And sometimes uh, the customer, the internal customer uh, has to uh, realize that. And you have to have patience to, um, within yourself, uh, to take time to let the, your
0: internal customers know that right the way through to the board. I think you're being generous to those internal customers, that line of business customer. So you you're having to demonstrate your own patience, but presumably they have to be patient because they want it yesterday, and they're not going to get it yesterday.
1: Yes, but I think uh, that's where the CEO's role or the head of IT, whatever title, the the, the leader of technology within the business. And uh, that's where their skill sets from the business side rather than the technical side has to come into their own. And they have to take a level of responsibility in educating and bringing the, the business side of the house on, on side and in line with the technology and letting them understand, not, not bring them to a technical level, but certainly aligning them with what technology can do and aligning them that technology is the enabler, but does take time. And, you know, you can't cut corners at times either because of maybe the cyber or security side of things. If nothing else, just to use it as an example.
0: Lara, give, you, give me your perspective on the patience that's required and how that might manifest itself. You mentioned earlier
2: the fact that we want it yesterday. So the patience that needs to happen here is the fact that you get pestered left and right uh you become the excuse of them not being able to do something. If you give in to uh you know your your temper will rise just because they, they try to harass you and that sort of thing. In the Philippines we there's a term that we say ang talo picon. Uh, talo is the one who loses. Picon is the one who gets flustered. So, yeah, patience from that perspective is important. You, you cannot lose your temper. You, you have to keep your cool. And sometimes because, I, as I said, you sometimes become the referee as well, you have to, to maintain that. You have to be able to see all sorts of uh, things that are coming your way. They're trying to pull you in their side. You have to stay in between to be able to deliver what you have to be uh, able to do.
0: Laura, let me just stick with you, because uh, Keith obviously mentioned right at the start, that sort of mixture of technical knowledge and business acumen. Just on the technology side of it, obviously technology moves incredibly fast. How deep into the technology does a modern technology leader need to be? In my case, I have to be something like one step ahead
2: at the very least, at the very least some people say construction is the last industry to even adopt digital technology but once you get them started they would start throwing you know trying to you know, do a lot of things you know laser scanners reality capture digital twin even though um those things are not yet needed but by the organization for example or the specific function so you have to be one step ahead because they're going to try to say this is what everyone else is doing but you have to tell them okay uh, maybe not. You know? What do you really want? You know? what, what What do you really need to do? You have to be
0: at least one step ahead. One step ahead, understood. Keith, your your take on the the depth of your technology knowledge or your technology acumen? It's a contradiction. Um, I've grown up
1: through the technology. I started in cabling, went to data comms, uh, voice communications, into server building and and all the way up, and but um, you're you're obviously one step ahead because you're trying to lead the 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 organization you're with, and you know always investigating and researching and 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 trying to understand the technology that's coming. The days of me having my Linux and and Windows and Raspberry Pis all across my desk at home or in the office and playing with Cali and whatnot have diminished o- over the years. So. My, my level of, of technical ability at, at that level has diminished, certainly. So I'm not one of the, the guys, or, you know, the, the gang at that level. But my understanding of, of, of my oversight of how the, the technology works has maintained and got deeper at a different level.
0: It feels to me that it's about the ability to know enough and to have that broad knowledge that you can ask the right questions, Keith?
1: Yes, yeah. I suppose um, to use the, the old modem, it's, it's the ability to understand at a level and then being able to translate the technology to be able to explain it at a different level that, that everybody can understand and then to be able to quantify it enough to be able to make it financially viable, to be able to translate it into a business for a return for the business also. Uh, not necessarily financial return at times, but to actually to, to make it viable for a business. You know, I'm in the education sector now, so it's a different type of return.
0: Understood. Thank you. Lara, another question, really interested to know, is there anything that you do that technology leaders do that goes hidden? It might be incredibly valuable thing that you do, but actually the rest of the maybe the leadership team doesn't actually realize that's something that is part of your makeup.
2: Yeah. Well, I alluded to that earlier, John. It's a very simple thing. Um, but it's something that's uh, normally taken for granted. Um, at least from my experience, uh, it's the role of the CIO as a transformation nexus. No? Um, what does that mean? As I said, right now, the pandemic has forced a certain sort of, of uh, instability, whether it's market, supply chain, labor effects of the pandemic. Um, but as a CIO, if you're, you guys are familiar with the inherent instability uh, philosophy, for example, how the F-16 was developed, or even the software camel at that time, where the design of the aircraft was actually, it was uh, unstable. And there was a computer that was doing everything to make things stable. What the CIO right now, my job right now, uh, most... Uh, the, organization seems to underestimate is the fact that I have to interpret the organization's control inputs, where they want us to go, factor in um, supply chain, customer, market environment signals, and then interpret both of these as a desired outcome, filtering out the noise. No? So by, by driving only that which produces the desired outcome. No? So taking away irrelevant factors um, and being able to do so. And so they think when they ask you to do something, even though a lot of these are conflicting, you are able to drive the organization and the technology that's uh, required towards a
0: direction that produces the outcome that these people need. Very interesting. Very interesting, thank you. I'm going to put that same question to you, Keith. Anything that you do in your day-to-day uh, that goes unnoticed but is uh, mightily valuable?
1: I, I suppose something similar. There's two things that have uh, really hit home and the pandemic has brought them to light, that you are in the shadows. what One is transformation, um, that we are such an enabler for the business um and, and that really really hit home in the last eighteen months or so and just explain what you mean by enabler i suppose what um and i I've been across two businesses i was c i o in the retail sector uh up until uh six twelve months ago was the fact is that every, every business is a technology business. And they found out very quickly how much of a technology business they were, be it from working from home right the way through to e-commerce and how uh, important the IT business was in enabling them to trade or operations and um, and the detail of IT within the ability to trade right the way through to supply chain. And then the other side was risk. I had a c- c- cyber risk officer for both organizations that I'm talking about and um, when I was doing the risk registers, just the importance of the technology and the, the, the cyber risk register and then how the impact it had on the business and the mitigations needed to actually give continuity to the business and, and enable the business to trade and continue to trade.
0: Lara, those two points and the first one was the enabler, which I think picks up on your your description as well and then risk but around that enablement piece has the pandemic you know this i started by saying what are the things that people don't notice that you guys do as a result of the pandemic and trying to battle through it from a business point of view has the pandemic made that thing that was once invisible now visible
2: no it has driven it further underneath um i i, I would explain it this way Digital signatures certainly is one of those things that, uh, you know, pandemic has brought upon us. However, there are different forms of di- digital signatures, different workflows. And, you know, you would have vendors actually coming to you saying theirs are the, the best stuff. You would have people inside the organization endorsing only because, you know, their relatives or, you know, a friend of theirs are doing the same sort of thing elsewhere. Keith mentioned a very important fact risk. Okay. And and that's why, you know, I I keep on saying we're doing the balance in between because people are pushing towards a certain direction in terms of digital. uh, The outcome is digital signatures. It doesn't necessarily mean that a certain sort of technology be the one that's adopted. You have to then pull back and say, look at it from a risk perspective and then say, and put in some rigor to it. And then say, this is what we need to do, not necessarily have, you know, that technology that is being favored by everyone else. So it has been, you know, your question about, you know, has that then exposed what we've been doing all along? No, all the more, because there's so much noise right now. When I say noise, it's, you know, vendors saying theirs are are the best. Uh, You know, people saying this one. Um, In uh, senior management, wanting to do something else.
0: Keith, so much noise. More noise than ever before, would you say, Keith? Or has it always been there? Well, it's always been there, but the outcome is always somebody
1: else's. So you are enabling somebody else to do their or, or to be better. You like to think that somebody else's success is your achievement. Um, and that's through leadership too. Um, that's what a good CIO does. If one of their teams succeeds, I always use the soccer scenario that, I don't know if you pick Manchester United or somebody, when the team played bad, Alex Ferguson came out and took the interview. But when the team played well, the team took came out and took the interview. And that's what good leadership is, you know. So um, if we succeed in the IT department here, Somebody else has delivered something good, a good product. We did that lecture in a theater right the way through to a good um, account system and the accountancy team doing good reporting or something. I don't know. But when something goes wrong, it's IT are doing (laughs) a, a bad day. IT
0: have messed up, you know. This to me suggests a certain personality type. So to, to use your soccer analogy, that if you, if you lose, then you're the guy that fronts up or the, the woman that fronts up and you take the blame. But if you succeed, then you let everybody else take, uh, take the credit. Does that then, uh, Laro require a certain kind of personality trait to be a modern technology leader?
2: Not a personality trait, but probably a, some sort of way
0: of humour, for example. Uh, Say good escape, um, and fellowship. Very good, and it sounds like you uh, need to remain unflustered. Keith, I'm going to turn to you. A final question from me, an advice question, really. So those people that are aspiring, maybe they're people that are working in departments already, but they aspire to technology leadership. What, what, what advice, what maybe one piece of advice you would leave them with? The best technology and
1: project that's you're going to do hasn't been invented yet. What I mean is, is that as soon as you get good at something, the next thing comes out. And that's the beauty of technology. It's evolving so often. So what, what I was, the way I go about things, the logical lateral thinking and stuff like that has been taught to me many years ago, but what I apply to, it to changes so often and so quickly that um, every week you get up there's something new there's something interesting it's a fantastic environment to be in and um, and that's the beauty of technology and technology leadership and there's new ways of working there's new ways of doing things there's new technologies it's a fantastic industry to be in
0: Keith do you ever wish it would just stand still for a moment so you can just get completely on top of it or do you just embrace that constant change I
1: embrace the constant change. I don't think I could be in an industry where, uh, I don't know, we always look at the, the accountants or something and say, I don't think I could do that sort of same week in, week out. I know their industry changes regularly as well with fat changes and stuff like that. But just sometimes I wish they just wouldn't release another Windows and give us a <laughs> chance, you know, for them. But,
0: um, but uh, you know, in Perfect. general, it's a fantastic industry to be in. Interesting point you make. I think all the accountants that were accidentally listening to us have now switched off, but I, I, take, your, I, I take your point in the spirit that it was, it was given. That's really interesting. Laura, I'm going to ask you the same question, a final thought. What piece of advice would you give those people aspiring to be tomorrow's technology leaders?
2: It's constant communication. You have to constantly communicate to your stakeholders. You have to constantly be in tune with what the environment is doing. Uh, You have to be constantly communicating with your vendors, um, with your team. It is a role as a communicator that will actually make you uh, in touch. Even going back to what I mentioned earlier, becoming the transformation nexus, the only way that can happen is if all of
0: your communication channels are open. Very good. Excellent. Laro, Keith, we'll leave it there. Thank you both very much. Really fascinating discussion. Thank both of you and thank you all very much for listening.